0: This is Stars at Dawn Podcast, and I'm your creator, host, and author, Kayleen Elizabeth.
1: And I had the opportunity to live with my mom as well, but I knew at 11 or 12 that something was happening with dad, and I wouldn't leave the house. So, a long story short, we went through this for a few years. By the time I was 16, things had gotten... um,
0: pretty bad in terms of his substance use. And
1: I ended up moving in with my neighbors who were like family.
0: Today, we have the honor of welcoming a kind and beautiful spirit, Brittany Wood. Brittany is a first generation Sri Lankan American and it seems that perseverance is inscribed into her DNA. Now a registered nurse midwife, Brittany takes us back to her childhood and adolescence to depict how stepping forward, even in the face of fear, is worth the risk. In our honest and uplifting conversation, Brittany teaches us how forgiveness trumps grudges every single time. Without further ado, I present to you the beautifully courageous Brittany Wood hey brett
1: how you doing hi Kayleen. i'm so good i'm so excited to be a part of this today and just been looking forward to it for a long time since we've been chatting about this opportunity and i've i know you've been working on this thinking about this and manifesting this podcast i'm so excited for you
0: yes i'm so excited too and i i love that we had planned this like Eight weeks ago, and we kept having to bump it back for one reason or another, but I also love that about our friendship because we are always able just to flow, and if something doesn't feel right or in alignment, we just set it on the table and we come back to it and there's no hard feelings and there's just this yes. mutual understanding.
1: Yes, because you will say, "Oh, when it flows or when it connects, and eight weeks ago it would have been actually I think more of stressful time because I couldn't just relax and be in one place, my mind would would have been kind of all over the place in that specific timing. So
0: this is just a lot better.
1: and, And here we are connecting. So I'm so
0: excited. Me too. I love it. And over that time, I've just been thinking about how we first met and my first perception of you and like if it was a true representation of you and you know it was oftentimes when we meet someone we have this instant judgment the saying don't judge a book by its cover sometimes there's this beautiful cover and it's the most amazing book inside but other times not so much or vice versa Um, but I just wanted to share with you my initial perceptions of who you are and then once getting to know you how that developed. so When I think about you, Brittany, I think of an ethereal beauty, a deep reservoir of love spilling from the inside out. You ooze this steadiness and grounding. Even though I may not have had those exact words in my vocabulary the first time we met, it was the exact essence that I experienced in your presence. And when I think back to it, I think we met in 2008 or was it 2009. Oh my gosh, that was over a decade ago. That's so uh, crazy to me to think that time can pass that fast. And I just remember meeting you for the first time and being struck by your beauty and I could just sense that there's so much depth and so much more to your story. We went through some tumultuous times and have witnessed and been witness to one another's spiritual flame waning and waxing. One of my favorite ironies of our friendship is how neither of us were invited or attended one another's weddings. And yet it didn't even matter because in our friendship, there's this mutual understanding. It is a soulful sisterhood that transcends time and space. To see how far you've come Britt has just been incredible. How many obstacles you have hurtled over in the face of fear and turmoil is truly inspiring. You are beautiful in a radiant light. And Britt, I just feel so privileged to be alongside you on this journey as you continue to blossom through each season of life fulfilling your divine calling. And I feel like one of the main take- takeaways from you and from our friendship has been that I have learned that although fear may seem to be present in holding us back on our dreams, it no longer has a stronghold on us once we can take that first assertive step and confident step forward. In fact, each additional step forward through fear, despite fear, gives us the ability to up-level our courage, give confidence to our spirit, to walk in more truth in our journey to fulfill our calling. And that, I Feel and I know is personified in your journey and allowing me to be a part of that and witness that has empowered me to also step forward fearless despite um I don't even know if fearless is the right word I think that courageous because there's always the fear there but being courageous to step forward despite the fear that we are perceiving so mm. thank you Brittany
1: oh i I really do have tears in my eyes, oh my gosh, healing, that's so sweet. um those words mean so much to me coming from you, and I agree we our friendship when i when I thought of how we met, it was obviously through one of our best friends, Morgan, who mm-hmm. is also an incredible, incredible person yes i yeah i I was so grateful for Morgan for bringing you into our life because. A lot of our friends were athletes. We lived in a dorm full of athletes, and I wasn't in a sport. I was an honorary athlete, they called it, because I would go to the ARC, and I didn't have a team of friends, but Morgan was on the club's soccer team with you, and she brought you into our life, and so it was just amazing meeting you, who I always perceived and and now know to the heart as someone who is confident and always inspiring team leader, friendship leader, bringing people together, and someone who you can always call to um, when you're having a hard time or share good news with. And you always find the words like today to kind of <laughs> lift people up and, and remind us what's so important in life. And now I get to see you do that with your family and your sons. And so, yes, I'm I'm so grateful for for you and for you thinking of me in that way. I, I really appreciate it.
0: Of course, sis, of course. Well, I would love for you to share with our listeners, with our sisters, who who are you and and how did you come to be this beautiful woman you are today? Hmm. Okay, that is, I was
1: thinking about that um, when you did meet me, which was in 2000, I think it was 2008, I feel connected to that person. I will say I sometimes think I was more courageous at that age. And like, the world really couldn't stop me when I was 18. Or I would say even 17. At that time, I look back and like, wow, I, I literally would have just anything I wanted to do, I would do it. I still am that person. But I think as I've gotten a little bit older, you know, life changes and maybe reality set in. But At that time, I was really just whatever I'd set my heart to, I would find a way to do it. And it was, I think, spurred by coming, going through a lot at that young age in high school. And maybe we can go back to that time. But I went to college knowing I wanted to be a registered nurse. So I grew up in South Lake Tahoe, um, which really shaped who I was by not only the environment and the nature and all the things we were blessed to do in, in that beautiful town, but also my family there and the community who are so close-knit really shaped me. And when I say community, I mean my neighbors, my friends, and who became family, my teachers. So all of that really shaped me growing up in that little mountain town. And I decided to become a registered nurse when I was 17 after a really empowering leadership conference and traveling opportunity that I took. And I... Grew up knowing I would likely be the first in my family to go to college, so, um, you know, I had a lot of influence from my family, you know, talking about that when I was really little and knowing when I was in school, like, oh, maybe this is actually something I can do. And so when I went to San Diego State, I I was gifted that opportunity. And I also had actually, I always knew I was going to go to San Diego because my grandparents were there, but I had gotten into UC San Diego, which was a big deal and then San Diego State. And a lot of people were like, go to UC San Diego, because it's UC. And I chose San Diego State because they had a nursing program. And uh, it just felt right. And Morgan Cook also got in. <laughs> also, my husband, who is then boyfriend, also was transferring to San Diego State. So it would just seemed like everything at that point aligned. And so in a, it it allowed me to become the registered nurse, who I, I truly identify as being a nurse and wife now. And I've always had this big heart to help people and to care for people and I feel like that's in my essence I'm confident but I feel like I'm also a um, calm and a feeler (laughs) Uh, maybe very sensitive I guess my friends would call me and now you've walked on the journey with me for the last four years I went back to school to become a certified nurse midwife and that was I would say a really courageous journey that I went on. And you you were actually right there along the along the whole way. I describe it as jumping off a dock in Lake Tahoe in winter into the cold waters how I felt when I decided to go to to grad school again and and leave my job as a NICU nurse that I was finally feeling confident in and comfortable in. And for the last year I graduated and I became a certified nurse midwife. And most of all, I'm a wife to my husband, a sister to my sister and friends, and a daughter, and I put, I really do think I put family and friends first, and just trying to enjoy the life that we have, and, um, and then, of course, I dive into my, my job that I do feel is my calling and I love very much.
0: So one of the things I want to back check a little bit, too, is how you jumped into Lake Tahoe in the winter. That's what it seemingly was like when you plunged into midwifery um, school and putting your application in. And like you said, I remember I was there with you. We were talking about it and encouraging you to just do it. What do you have to lose? And And you did. And one of the things you had asked me to help you with, which I was so honored to be a part of, was helping you to put together and revise or edit your entrance essay, and that is the first opportunity I had to really see into who who you are or the, the history of how you came to be such an incredible person and even just beyond your tumultuous childhood, also into your mother's childhood and where your parents came from. So can you just give us a, give our listeners a little bit of picture because I think it really paints a vibrant picture of who you are.
1: Yeah. And thanks for asking. And I, I feel like I'm pretty open about my, my background because I felt so, I feel so supported and, and we, My family is still very, very close, thankfully, and we're blessed to be all together now. But um, growing up in Lake Tahoe, my dad, well, my mom was born and raised in Sri Lanka, and I feel really connected to my Sri Lankan roots because I grew up so close to my grandparents and my mom often cooks Sri Lankan food and really identifying with that back ground of my my life um, and she met my dad when they moved to New York my dad was a musician and brought them over or brought my mom over to California which was a big jump and a big leap but they ended up in South Lake Tahoe because my dad was playing music and also working in audiovisual in the casinos there so um, I grew up really close with my mom and dad and my older sister Shannon she's four years older than me We had a lovely, when I look back to my childhood, I have so many beautiful memories in Tahoe and with them, things did kind of change and morph as my dad was going through a lot with his mental illness that obviously back then there wasn't a lot of support and information and knowledge. Um, And I didn't really know that was going on per se because my family just kind of kept it together. My mom did a lot um, as well. But my dad has, and I think he'd be totally fine with me sharing this, but my dad has bipolar and depression disorder. And he also, before we were born, had substance use disorders and he became sober before I was born. So most of my childhood, my dad did not drink a single thing. I was always really proud of that as his daughter, that you know, at dinner, he didn't have anything to drink. And I thought that was so amazing. But little did I know that he struggled with depression and bipolar and that my mom obviously Supported him and tried to understand that as much as possible, and they ended up after being married for eighteen years, trying to divorce i think their first they thought about it when I was eight, but it was really, really difficult, I think, on my sister and myself, and they tried again to continue with the marriage and then they eventually separated at eleven, and at that point, I think I was really like, okay i feel I think this is a good decision because I knew even at 11 that, that the marriage wasn't maybe where it needed to be. And so at that point, my dad actually started drinking again and he was very depressed and he ended up starting to use drugs. And I had no idea because he hit it quite well for a while, but it's just like any kind of downward spiral, you could only hide things for so long. And Everything kind of started to crumble at the surfaces, but I was still so close to my dad. I was actually living with him um, full time. My mom was around in the same neighborhood. I would see my mom every day and I had the opportunity to live with my mom as well, but I knew at 11 or 12 that something was happening with dad and I wouldn't leave the house. So a long story short, we went through this for a few years by the time I was 16 Things had gotten um, pretty bad in terms of his substance use. And I ended up moving in with my neighbors who were like family. I've known them since I was a baby. And they moved went back to Tahoe when I was six years old and had their fa- started their family. And so their little kids are like my sisters. I babysat them. And a while before Kelly, she lives across the street, she had said, Brittany, I had this dream that you were living with us. And I thought, Hey, you know, it wouldn't be a bad idea. You know, it's always an opportunity. And so finally at 16, a lot had happened with my dad. He was very sick with his depression, and bipolar and using cocaine at that time and alcohol. And, and so I actually ended up calling the police to do like a wellness check on him. And I moved across the street. So that was all going on, and most people in high school had no idea, like, at all. Only my two best friends, because I was embarrassed. It was like a normal teenage feeling to feel so embarrassed that that was happening. Um, so I just dove into school and my sports, and I had the most amazing group of friends who I'm still friends with, and my neighbors took me in and with, like, the biggest hearts. I mean, I can't imagine having two toddlers and then bringing in a teenage girl with, like, a ton of friends and a boyfriend. And just or not boyfriend yet but interested in and um, I was also experimenting at that time with like going to parties and trying to be cool all of the things that you do when you're 16. Mm-hmm. Um but I had this fire in my belly and that was the first time I ever felt it was when I was 17. I would still go to San Diego every summer to be with my grandparents and my dad had gone to rehab at that point my sister was older so she moved out and you know we got we became really close and connected again during that time because we needed each other and i was a little bit older so i could understand but she hid a lot from me she knew everything going on but hid like tried to protect me from all of that i got to be with my dad through that i never gave up on him i'd say i i I'd say I never gave up on him, but I did become ang- like angry and sad for a little bit when I was 16, 17. I like, there was a moment where I like, didn't want to see him, didn't want to touch him. I was just so mad, but then he went to rehab and it, as it happens a lot, you rehab's not successful always. So he came back and did pretty well, but, um, relapsed once and, uh, and in that mix, he also fell from a ladder and broke his femur and was hospitalized. Wow. And, um, and that hospitalization actually also contributed to him getting better because he was in the hospital for a while and like, had to like come to what was happening. It was just like so much happening at one time. He finally, I, I don't remember his sobriety, I should know, but it was my senior year in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, so from 12 to senior year in high school all of that was happening but we ended up losing our house financially like all of that we couldn't he couldn't keep the house which was really really hard for him and hard for me and my family initially I I think it was more emotional to see that home kind of I was living across the street so I can see it happen where like we Mm -hmm. lost it financially and then another family move into it. And at first that was really hard. But then I thought about like we still had all the amazing memories there. And then also we had memories where like things didn't go well. So it was time for everyone to be like out of that house in a sense. And I, I'm sure my parents have different feelings if you were to ask them how it feels to, for them. But for me, I I'm like I'm very much at peace with with that situation. And I was going to college at that point. So I think the motivation for me was, okay, Brittany, I have to get out of Tahoe. And the only way financially was, um, to do really well in school Uh and to, I knew I wanted to become a nurse. And so I had not great test scores, but I had 4.2 GPA and I played sports and I, you know, then I was an AVID as well, which is a college prep program. And That program was, since 11, my mom actually got me into it, and and they just kind of support you, your teachers support you, you have tutors and encouragement the whole way through. So for middle school and high school, I had that support network of um, them, oh yeah, telling you how to apply for scholarships, and how to do your personal essay, and a teacher there pushing you and celebrating you every single step of the way, so... I also had, had that support to kind of catapult me into applying to colleges and, and that's how I got to college.
0: <laughs> oh. Wow. And one of my memories yeah. that just popped up was when I would walk into Morgan's house and, um, besides seeing her mopping in the nude, <laughs> you would be you would be seated at the table and you would just be studying and sometimes Lindsay would be sitting there, but you're always so studious and so competitive with your, with your schoolwork. You're always getting A's in your classes and just you know, studying, but having fun and really loving it. It didn't seem like a chore to you, but something that you felt called to do and you were fulfilling that. And at the same time, you're still having fun and we're, you know, going to parties and still able to, um, you know, exercise and keep up that routine. And so I guess from an outsider looking in, it seemed like very balanced. And (laughs) I was so... I always admired you because you're always able to keep up your grades and it seems like just from the story that you told me right now that amongst any type of like turmoil going on in your life from a young age school was what you could go to there was like this constant like you knew you were good at it you knew you had a calling to fulfill and that's where you could pour yourself into so during college was that Also, the same, or what was that like for you? Because I know you went through a really hard stint in college, but you were you still hung on, at least Mm -hmm. as far as I know, and didn't fall off the ladder per se. Yeah,
1: I think it was always. I mean, my mom and my mom and dad said that I, from like a really young age, I would just come home and do my homework. I they weren't having to be like, Brittany, go do your work, it was just something I did. And then I think the avid really, you know, it was really structured, so I had those habits of like keeping an agenda and knowing my guidelines and what to do. But the funniest thing about getting into San Diego state was I thought I got into the nursing program. I applied as pre-nursing and I thought like, yes, I'm going to be a nurse. I got in, And then I got to school and, or Morgan and I went to like an orientation for being a freshman and they were like, Oh no, you're not in the nursing program. You're, you're pre-nursing. So you're in our school, but you still have to apply. And so, that was, I think I cried on the orientation day and like Susan Cook picked us up and was like, what the heck happened? <laughs> and so I realized like I had to basically get, um, as a freshman and sophomore in college, pretty much straight A's, maybe like 1B, which I like knew was going to be organic chemistry oh, and yeah. or oh, yes. in microbiology. It was a big leap because I had really good grades in high school but I know that it didn't come naturally for me I really have to put in hours and hours of studying so that is I think where that kind of grit came from in terms of school like I knew there was no other way other than just sitting at that table like that wooden table with stacks of flashcards and yes Lindsay helped me learn how to study in college because she went to school in the Bay Area like you Mm -hmm. and I think there was like already anatomy classes done and Things that um, maybe we didn't have in Tahoe, so she really helped me. She's really brilliant, and she—I will never forget her, like sitting me down with my textbook and be like, "This is how we have to do it." I—I <laughs> <laughs> I think I was just really motivated. I spent summers with my grandparents, like I said, and my grandpa, who's still living, he's ninety years old. We would swim every day together, and I think like every day, he'd be like you'll go to college one day. And he was a tea planter in Sri Lanka and they seemed like they had a really lovely lifestyle there. And, but he worked hard and he managed tea plantations. And, and when they came to America, they let a lot of that lifestyle go and they had to work really hard at later in their life to just, you know, provide for the family. And so I think there's an, um, definitely an aspect of being like a first generation child. And my my dad's parents were a bit older so i didn't really get to have a relationship with them but i know that they were really hard workers and um, my dad worked really hard in the music industry and Mm -hmm. my mom of course always worked hard and so i think their work ethics just paved the way for me and i knew that like anything emotional going on in my life i had to compartmentalize because school was like my opportunity to provide for myself And that was the main goal. It's like, I want to have a job where I can, like I have a paper saying like, I want a job where I can travel, pay my bills and like raise a family one day. (laughs) Wow. And I knew like I can do that with nursing because I love the science and the physical touch with people and all of those things. I guess, we. do you want me to go into that hard time in college because we can go there?
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, really, whatever you're feeling called to share, this is all about you. So it's your choice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, obviously Jared is a huge part of my life. He's my husband, (laughs) but I think, um, it like, I think looking back when I was a teenager was again, I was so sure of myself as a 16 year old and I am still sure of myself, but I was, I, I think 16, 17, I was just like, I said, yep, this is it. This is what I want. And I met Jared when I was about to be 16. So it was 15. Yeah. And Jared was about to graduate and go to college, but didn't share anything. Of course, again, I was so embarrassed about what was happening. Didn't share anything with him, but we, we really connected. He was so sweet and really funny and really flirtatious and really tall and handsome and played basketball. I just like all the things I was like, Oh my gosh, I really like this guy. I would actually see him in my English class. And because he would play basketball, who was my English teacher. He was the coach. So that's kind of how I kind of got to know him a little bit, but we stayed in touch because he was leaving for college. So I was like, oh my gosh, never going to, you know, meet this guy again. But that summer I would try to end up at parties. He was going to, and try to just like be around him. Cause he, I thought he was so great. <laughs> so you're stalking <laughs> um, him. <laughs> I totally stalked him. <laughs> he doesn't know that. No, <laughs> we ended up really, you know, hitting it off and we stayed in touch and it wasn't until the next summer where I really like let down my guard um or maybe it was that same summer where I let down my guard and because he came over to my house and I would I would have parties sometimes because my dad wasn't he was still playing music but he'd be out a lot and so that happened sometimes right before I moved across the street and Jared saw my dad kind of in not the best moments um and I finally like shared everything that was going on and at that time Jared Shared everything in his life. And he, we can't, that would be a whole other podcast, yes. <laughs> but he also has been through some amazing feats in his young life. And he, instead of like judging me or like, you know, making me feel embarrassed, he just, I will never forget being like, I've been through that too. I know exactly how it is. And wow. he just made me feel so normal as a teenager. So that was really, really, really awesome. And I ended up connecting over the next couple of years and we stayed in touch. and started dating so we went we both are like at teenage levels we were way beyond our years I feel like and so our relationship went from like puppy love to very serious relationship when I was 17 I he was in college I was driving to see him we were just totally in love and um like in my head I was like I'm marrying this person and I was 17 and I was so sure of it so we carried on and supported each other in college. And he supported me just emotionally and just being there so much in college. But we, we did end up breaking up in college and for a full year. And that's actually like a little after I met you. Mm-hmm. And so you saw me go through that a lot. And you were so supportive. But that was a moment where I'll never forget. <laughs> Poor Jared. He probably wouldn't want to hear this. But I'll never forget. <laughs> like we broke up. And it was something we had talked about, but then we decided we weren't going to do it because, you know, we loved each other. And, but we had said, man, we've never really been on our own before. And we had to like grow up and do all of these things. Um, But I remember teaching anatomy. I was like a TA the following year and like vomiting my eggs before, because I was so heartbroken. And I was like, well, I still have to like get up and go and go to class and do my day. Like so heartbroken. And my poor roommates just kind of knew the situation when it happened, like, oh God, this is not going to go well. <laughs> but we got through it. All my friends and and Jared and I got through that too. It just, uh, I had to keep going with school. There was no other option for me.
0: Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so incredible. Well, thank you for, for sharing that and just being open to share that. And to share that information about yourself, but also it's really inspiring because you have come to peace with it. And I Mm -hmm. think when we're able to tell our stories in that way, that signifies a peace and an understanding and a forgiveness for yourself and for others. Mm -hmm. And so that's, it's really incredible. So to forgive and to make peace with things, do you feel like that's a gift you have been given? It's easier for you maybe than it is for other people?
1: I think so. I mean, I quickly mended my relationship with my dad. I was just, I was always just so worried that he wasn't going to survive. I think that it was like the worry that I was never angry at him for doing what he did. Like, oh, you're a bad dad that you did this. It was more like worry and scared, like being scared. And so once he became sober and like the clouds lifted and like he was being healthy and I saw like, okay, he's actually going to survive this. Then I was able to be like, okay, I can let you back into my life more closely. And my dad and mom both will say like, there's, I think there's guilt that remains. And for my sister and I, we both that, like we always said like their guilt makes it harder to move forward. Mm-hmm. Because I know I wouldn't be where I am today without those hard times. Like for anybody, anything mm-hmm. difficult you live through, it shifts your life and makes you make decisions that maybe catapult you in a different direction or connects you with other people. Mm-hmm. And so for me, if I were to go back, I mean, I wouldn't want my dad to like go back and do all those things, but it really did change how I treat my body, how I think of the life I want to live, how I want to parent. So it it shifted everything for me. Um, and I wouldn't want to change my life. So I think that's one way I look at it. So it's like yeah, a necessary, so necessary part of your journey. Yeah. And then I think even for Jared and I, I'm like initially when we broke up and he he broke up with me, I was really, really sad and I couldn't understand I was 20 and he or 19 and he was 21. Now I look back, I'm like, oh my God, we were 19 and 21. Like, thank God that actually happened. And he even said that. He's like, I want to make sure that we we know what, what we're doing later on in life, and when I look back, I it took me longer, I think, to forgive fully because I was so sad. Um, but you
0: know, and, and I think the word the would be again. devastated, yeah, devastated. you were devastated. I was devastated, I was like, Oh, well, yeah, you're, you're
1: supposed to be my husband, and mm-hmm. oh, you know, it was just like that level of uncertainty. Um, but we knew within like six months again, that we were supposed to be together. And, um, we got together that next year, but it did take me time. I would say for like, to not be nervous, it was going to end again or like mm-hmm. all of those feelings. And so I do have a lot of space for forgiveness. I don't hold grudges. I would say it's too exhausting.
0: Oh, I love that. I don't hold grudges. It's too exhausting. And it's a quote. <laughs> Brittany,
1: what? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I will space myself from certain people. I think year like this, I can read energy pretty well. And it may be, sometimes I'm like, am I just a judgy person? (laughs) Or am I reading this person right? Or, and I take time, but I typically can have um, pretty good feelings about situations or maybe um, people and I'll just distance myself if I'm not in um, a forgiving space. (laughs)
0: so creating boundaries is that what boundaries
1: you yeah I'd say so
0: so one of the themes that I've identified in all of your stories um, of your life that you've shared thus far is really having a support system having a mm-hmm. safe place to go when maybe you didn't feel safe so for example mm-hmm. you said you have that close group of girlfriends who you're still really close with who really Mm -hmm. helped to carry you through, even though they may have not known it at the time, but also having support from those neighbors across the street. And I can't help to think in my mind that they're almost like little angels. Do you see them as that way? Or how have you witnessed that play out in your life?
1: Yeah, I think, I don't know. I do feel so blessed that, I think I do attribute it to like being in the Tahoe community because it's so small. And I like my best friends from third grade and fourth grade and middle school are all the same girls and their families are like their parents are like my parents. And so I always had when my mom was going through all of that with my dad, they rallied around her or like helped, you know, pick me up from school and like do all of the things Feed me dinners, all the things that made wow. me think things were tough. So um, I do feel like they are little angels. And then just, I always think about my neighbors. Like uh, the owner is 92. Her name's Irma. So she lived in San Francisco. She is like an angel to me. She's a grandma. But I would um, be so excited when she'd come to Tahoe and she was really close to my mom and I would go cr- play in her house and draw with crayons and just hang out with this older woman who was there for the summers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but later on, her daughter, Kelly, married a German man, Felix, and they moved in across the street. And they are just the most open-armed, loving people and understanding people. And so I just am always thankful. And I always feel like, man, it w- I think we were meant to be in each other's lives. Like all of us, my my dad, my mom, the broches, I just really feel like that was really meant to be because we're still all so close and that relationship will be like a, a lifetime. So
0: that's really incredible. That's so yeah. powerful. Yeah. For it. Wow. <laughs> celebrate. Look at all these victories in your life to celebrate. That's so yeah. it's so amazing. And do you take time to celebrate? Like when you have obstacles and, and you get through it, are you celebrating yourself or what does that look like in your mind?
1: Well, uh, I mean, I definitely do celebrate, you know, I think Jared has always been someone who celebrates with me and same with my friends, like Morgan and my roommates, (laughs) whenever something small would happen in nursing school, we would like cook a fun dinner or like go get frozen yogurt, like every little thing to Mm -hmm. my journey was celebrated. And and Jared's always made space for that too, because he knows how hard I worked. And now I feel like You know, I know there'll be trials and tribulations ahead and things have been pretty smooth lately. So sometimes when you've gone through a lot, you're like, oh, it's like you're waiting for like the shoe to drop. I feel like this is definitely a thing for people. I've talked to Lindsay about this too. Mm -hmm. You're like, wait, things are so good right now. What's, what's going to happen? You know, and I lived in that space for a long time, but I feel like that's faded now and I can just enjoy like, you know, the little small things along the way graduating school like grad school was a big thing for Jared and I and I say it's our degree and he <laughs> you know he went to grad school too so we did a big graduation party with our closest all the people I've mentioned and, you know the families oh. that supported me were there and my sister and mom and dad of course and and so we celebrated in that way
0: I know that we had talked about an email and over the phone about if anything came to you writing down a creative piece or a journal entry or anything that you wanted to share and I wanted to see if that still feels good to you well I have what my like little ma-
1: mantra that I've always used in school I wanted to talk about actually yes. last summer okay because from our relationship that you've given to me was when Jared and I were about to get married we were we just, well, we found out we were moving, like, really, really fast, and I was having such a hard time with that, because I loved San Diego so much, and I was, I just, like, I sometimes in my confidence or, like, path, I can be really stubborn as well, like, no, it has to be this way, and so I was like, no, we're living in San Diego, what do you mean we're moving, but it was the only way, like, at that point that we were going to be able to live in the same city again, and so, um, we moved and I had applied at that point to San Diego state for their midwifery program. And, but then Jared was like, well, this job in San Jose has come up, which you're from San Jose. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody else from San Jose. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I remember sitting on the floor and kind of crying, but being like, yes, take it because we want to get married and live together. And so, we got married and then moved right after. It was a big, you know, left my lovely, amazing job in the NICU, UC San Diego, who, which will always be one of the, like my most favorite jobs ever, and moved. And I remember being so emotional about the move and having a, a bit of a hard time transitioning. And you just always told me, like, you can make home anywhere when you're with your loved ones. And you got that advice, I think from another friend. And I think that really resonated with me because here we are like four years later, still in San Jose, and we -hmm. just moved into another little apartment, but it's, it's really become a place that we're finding joy in. And even though it's not right on the beach, (laughs) (laughs) Um, when I look back of like that journey, I tell Jared all the time, like, thank God you took this job because I ended up getting into UC San Francisco and the midwifery program and San Diego State's midwifery program is no longer, like so many little things have happened. And then these two angels of midwives, Maria and Lynn at my current job, opened up their doors to me this year to start my midwifery practice with them. And it can be really, really hard to find your first job as a new midwife. And I felt so scared, like what you were saying there. It's more like being courageous mm-hmm. um, because I definitely had fear of leaving my job as a NICU nurse, which was so stable
0: mm.
1: <laughs> um, and set and then being scared about, oh, what job am I going to find? And I felt like, wow, the like stars really aligned by just taking the leap of moving and trying something new. And so far that's been p- playing out. <laughs> and yeah. I just remember... Um, you've just been really supportive in all of those steps, especially when I questioned why I was going back to school um, when it was really hard.
0: <laughs> well, I also love that you're in San Jose because we visit my parents a lot. And so every time I would come down to visit, you would come over yeah. We'd go for walks with Quincy, and then Coe. Yeah. I was older, and it was nice for me too to be able to go home and then be able to have girl time with you. So yeah. I was selfishly happy that you were in San Jose, and but then you also got to connect with my sister yeah melanie and so now you're like part of the family which is funny because your husband's last name wood is my maiden last name wood so now yes. we're like legit family we are
1: family yeah <laughs> i know and i've connected with all of your sisters in a fun way because before we moved i met courtney who i adore and she ended up doing our wedding invitations using her creative talents i so i got to know her and i ended up going to her wedding reception in being with your family. And then I got to get to know Melanie, because we're both into like energy healing and meditation. And, and so I've gotten to know all of you guys, which has been so fun. And of course, your mom and dad are just incredible people.
0: They are. They are really amazing. I just want to say thank you, Britt, because always been there for me. I remember Quincy got this horrible cold when he was two months old. And of course you can call into the advice nurse, but there's nothing like calling a best friend and a friend who you know, knows you and knows your child, but also knows what they're doing 1000%. And I've always appreciated you. And I continue to appreciate you as I continue to text and call for advice. So (laughs) it's been really, really amazing
1: for me. I, and I have this sense of like, uh, when a friend's calling for like a chat or like sometimes when I, I sometimes can be like, oh, I think something's going on. And I write a lot of the times. Uh,
0: mm, and it's I more just, urgent. Yeah. I'm like, I call think me it might be like a,
1: <laughs> yeah, like a, a baby question or a, a medical question, but it's, it was always, it's always a joy to help in that way. And, and it, uh, it makes me use my brain and my, my background a little bit differently. Cause there's, you know, a different relationship aspect going into it, but yeah. I'm always here for medical questions. <laughs> I'll try my best. <laughs> it's been a journey together,
0: huh? Mm-hmm. So amazing. So you're talking about having a mantra that you used and you've been using.
1: Yeah. Yep. Uh, and it came, it came during nursing school. I was, I actually, ha- I do struggle, not struggle anymore, I'd say, but I have bit, bouts of anxiety. And that I think is, I used to be like, oh my God, it, I would be so scared actually with when I would get anxiety, because I talked to my dad a lot about when I, when I would feel anxious, I'd actually call him, even if it's like two in the morning, if I couldn't sleep. And then I'd be like, hmm, is this, you know, something where I have a problem or I need to go to a counselor, which I've done before. Um, but it ended up, I really look back at every time I'd go to like a therapist, they'd be like, well, it seems like you're going through a lot with school. So I ended up starting Core Power Yoga in 2012 and I would lay on my mat at the end and I would say I'm right where I need to be and I would just repeat that like I'm right where I need to be and I'm safe I'm loved and I'm capable and that's kind of what I tell myself when I'm feeling like I need to be somewhere else because or I'm doubting if I'm in the right place at the right time you know in terms of school or work or life um, and then just to remind myself yeah I'm safe I'm loved and I'm capable of whatever I'm setting out to do.
0: Okay, so I want you to just like walk us through that in a visual. So wherever you are right now listening, let's just take a deep breath and you're gonna repeat after Brittany.
1: Okay, so take a nice deep breath in and out. And you can repeat after me. I'm right where I need to be. I'm safe, I'm loved and I'm capable.
0: And one more time.
1: I'm right where I need to be. I'm safe. I'm loved.
0: I'm capable. Mm. And a mantra doesn't need just to be repeated once. It can be repeated over and over again until those words translate into a feeling in your heart and until you are actually feeling what those words are speaking, correct? Mm -hmm. I tend
1: to use mantras like, you use them when you're in a place of scarcity or fear can be used when you're having like a great day and there. You're in a great space. It's just to remind yourself right where I am is where I'm supposed to be. And that always brings me back to the present moment.
0: Mm, That's beautiful. Thanks so much for joining me today. This has been amazing. And I wanted to see if you wanted just to set a prayer of intention for the women listening today through time and space, just, whether you have something prepared or something that is being downloaded to you um, and through you.
1: Hmm. Given the times we're in right now with navigating, you know, COVID and being maybe separated from certain family members or changing lifestyle. And then also experiencing or living through the injustices that are happening and being kind of unveiled in a different way. I just wish for everybody and pray for people to feel loved and cared for right now and that everyone has someone that they can go to if they're needing support I wish health upon
0: everybody good health
1: hmm. so
0: sisters when you're listening to Britt's words, just open up your hearts and receive because as people pray for you, it's also as necessary to be open to receiving them. And and now that I'm thinking of it right now or feeling it right now, that has been a theme through your life, Brittany, is being open to receiving, to receiving Mm -hmm. people's love, to receiving people's true intention of helping you. And so if you're in a struggle right now or you're in a hard spot and there are, are other women or other people opening up their hearts and wanting to genuinely give to you, then you need to open up your heart and receive it because that is the universe's way, God's way, the mother divine's way of providing for you, but she cannot give to you unless you're willing to receive. So open up and receive it. And I open up and I receive your story and all the beautiful messages you shared with me today, Britt, and I just love you so much.
1: I love you, thank you. Yes, you're one of those people that, you know, I just feel you're connected for a reason. And we've maintained our friendship this long. So, you know, everyone's (laughs) in different places.
0: So it's pretty pretty special. It is a success. All right, love you, Britt. Love you too. Thank you so much for joining me today, sisters, and thank you, Britt, for sharing your story with us. There is nothing I appreciate more than having the privilege to share this space with extraordinary women opening their hearts and sharing their stories with me. It really does make us feel like we are a part of something much bigger than ourselves, a sisterhood of strong and courageous women. Be sure to share this episode or any of your favorite episodes with the women in your life. You know, the ones you're thinking of right now. We only grow stronger in numbers and our stories need to be heard. It is as easy as clicking the share button in a text or posting to Facebook. Okay sis, so if you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to Stars at Dawn Podcasts. That way you don't miss out on any of our latest episodes. It only takes a few minutes and I genuinely appreciate your feedback. Until next time, may you shine your light on the world around you. Love you, sis.